Hi, I'm Dan Boyd. I'm Kimmy Zeiler. St. Ignatius of Loyola said, Out of gratitude and love for him, Jesus Christ, we should desire to be reckoned fools. We're seeking to discover Christ in everything, from the banal to the sublime, and this is Fools, fools for, for Christ. Christ. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back. We were on a hiatus for a little bit. Sorry for the pause, but thank you for sticking with us. And today, we're talking about Awkward conversations. Awkward. So, really, first, how to have awkward conversations with God when you know there's things that you should have been talking to him about, but you've been mm. avoiding because yeah. you didn't want to do the thing you don't want to do. Oh, happens to me all the time. Me too. And then, what happens when, or rather, how to find peace when you've had awkward conversations with other people and they were difficult and perhaps left you feeling uncomfortable afterward? Yeah. Which... I think probably happens to a lot of people. It happens to me. Um, like if you have to correct somebody, whether it's a friend or a family member, or whether you know you should have corrected them and you did not. Because mm. um, then you feel awkward, even if they don't. They yeah. might feel awkward too. Yeah. So let's kind of dive into this. It's kind of, the way we started talking about this is when we have to make difficult decisions. And I think that kind of encapsulates everything. As... Um, Oftentimes, I know for me, when I don't want to talk to God, it's because I know I'm not doing something that I ought to be doing, and therefore I'm not making the decision right. <laughs> that He's wanting me to make, and so um, it just draws out this awkwardness in my relationship with God until I finally confront Him with what it was He was trying to tell me all along. Yeah, and we, especially if this is a let's just say it's it's it feels like a non-religious decision it almost feels like okay what does this have to do with my relationship with god like this mm -hmm. is an employee relationship uh, maybe something like a supervisor and a supervisee uh, a parent child um, what does that have to do with our relationship with god you're serving god with like your entire life and so it could be you are doing that person a favor you're doing them like you are acting charitably towards them by correcting them or you're acting charitably towards the people who, let's say if it's a, um, if you were a principal and you were avoiding a conversation you needed to have with a teacher because they weren't giving their students the education they deserved, um, is a justice thing. By not speaking to the teacher, you are denying the students what they have a right to. Mm -hmm. um, so in pretty much all of these situations, um, your relationship with God can definitely be strengthened by having these conversations and it's tough it's really really hard we don't want to make it seem like it's easy mm -hmm. we are probably two people who do not really like conflict <laughs> and, um, and feel bad when we have to correct people and, and that kind yeah of thing. yeah um, yeah conflict stinks yeah and this all flows from the reality that our we are made to know love and serve god yes and to love our neighbor as ourself and so that that's that should be the guiding principle of all of these conversations mm -hmm. so it, um, you know, if you're, if you have a situation where you perhaps need to confront somebody, um, where we start from is always, how do I love this person? How do I love God? How do I help them love yeah. God? Um, and that can, that can weigh, sh should weigh what we do. Um, yeah. so what do we want for them ultimately? Do we want, we don't scare people away from them, away from no. God. So we can't turn this into kind of a cudgel of, uh, like, I love you, and I'm a Christian, therefore I'm going to correct you in this way so that you can be holy. Um, Jesus said something about that, too. Um, but more so just, um, 
out of out of love we correct our brothers and sisters um that is a it's a spiritual work of mercy yes and it's well yes and it's also something that takes a lot of um discernment to know when is the right time right and how to approach i know there are a couple people in my life that the lord is not calling me to have that confrontation with right and it's because it's not the right time it wouldn't be received it would just create more barriers um, but how? But then, how do you enter into that to know when that awkward conversation has to happen, uh, and when it doesn't? When it when it should be um, postponed or set to the side until the right time? Right. So that you don't do more harm than good. By, yes. You yeah. <laughs> know, so this so um, like when parents want to correct let's say the lifestyle of their children. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, there are clear times when you do that. And then others where, uh, you really could just end up damaging your relationship. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that you are like, therefore affirming it, but you don't, you don't have to correct every single sin you ever see. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you did, you'd spend your entire day doing it yeah. because there's a lot of sin going on in the world. <laughs> So this really, this starts with the awkward conversations with God, knowing how to have those conversations and especially finding peace after you made them, if you discern that decision correctly. So not like vocational discernment, but Ignatian discernment, discernment of spirits. Um, if you've discerned that decision correctly, then that, that can give you a sense of peace moving forward. So if you find yourself in turmoil, you can go back to the moment you made the decision and mm-hmm. say, did I make this? thinking that this is what God wanted me to do. Yeah. Um, was I was I experiencing peace with the decision? Um, and if you didn't do that, that could be a good indication that, hey, maybe you made the wrong decision. So go back and really think about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's how you, you make the right decision and start off on the right foot. Yeah. And I, I want to just speak a little bit more to that. So when I was discerning where to go after college, after my undergrad. Um, and I ended up deciding to go to Franciscan University. It was a decision that I made with a lot of discernment. And um, I knew for certain that God was calling me to Franciscan. And I had reached such an, a level of peace and surety in that decision that when that first year at Franciscan was the hardest year that I've ever had to go through, <laughs> Um, I was resting sure in that this was the correct decision that God had called me to, despite whatever had happened, um, despite whatever did happen that year. Um, I mean, that was just a small tidbit. I moved up 16 hours away. That was the year my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I, all my friends were off doing missionary work, you know, it just, so I couldn't really connect with them. It was a very difficult year for a lot of reasons. And so the only having that ground to fall back on, that rock of knowing that this was where God wanted me, allowed me to get through that year and get into what he was calling me to, which was the next six years of my life. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad to hear that that was, that was kind of your experience too, because I had a really difficult time my first year of grad school. I didn't really like it. Yeah. Um, I Actually, the first... After the first semester, I almost quit. I was like, I'm going to go back home. I was pretty happy there. <laughs> um, but I would say that knowing that you were in a good place when you made the decision, um, that's kind of key to one of the keys of discernment. You don't make a decision when you are, when you're in a state of anxiety or, yeah. or turmoil. Um, so if you, I mean, 
if you don't have the option, then you don't have the option. But if you can make a decision at a time of peace, it's when it should be made. And that lets you know during a time of, of turmoil and unrest, um, no, I'm, I made the decision yeah. when I was when I was steady, when I was even keeled. So just because I'm not right now doesn't mean it was the, the wrong decision. Um, and this is... Uh, this can give a great sense of peace in like vocational decisions. So whether you're, you're choosing marriage or religious life or, or priesthood, um, or even in smaller things. So moving to another city, choosing a new job, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, everybody has a bad day. You don't want to decide when you're having a bad day that you made the wrong decision. Because <laughs> um, it could just be you didn't have enough coffee that day. <laughs> Happens the best of us. Speak the truth. Um, yeah, so first... First of all, we need to find God in the midst of making the decision um, and need to look at um, what what he's asking us to do and look at it through that lens. Um, I'm going to paraphrase here, but the principle and foundation in the ex- rules of discernment, I'm sorry, in the spiritual exercises, uh, the rules of discernment are part of the spiritual exercises. St. Ignatius of Loyola. Um, <laughs> the foundation and principle basically says that man was created to know, love, and serve God and all things on the earth, all part of creation, um, was created to direct man to that end. And so whenever we are looking at, um, how to utilize what's around us, what kind of decision we're making, it all has to point us back to that principle and foundation of knowing, loving, and serving God. So to kind of, to- uh, that automatically orients us and that our decisions have to be made within that framework of knowing, loving, and serving God. So if you know something is automatically not loving God, <laughs> that's how you know not to choose it. Like if you're choosing between committing a crime or not committing a crime, that's an easy choice. There's yeah. no discernment there. Nope. You simply don't do evil. Mm-mm. Like avoid evil, do good. There you go. <laughs> uh, so if you have, if, assuming you have two goods to choose from. So in your case, it was probably... Like you had, I remember there were a lot of people that you were friends with who went off to do like, uh, somebody went off and did mission work in Germany. I was actually jealous of him. I was like, yeah. man, he's doing really cool <laughs> stuff right now. I didn't even speak yeah, German. he did some great um, stuff. No, I, yeah, I was considering focused missionaries and uh, also considering um, going to Franciscan or continuing with my job in theater. Yeah. Those are my kind of three options. All of which are good. Yeah. They all would have been great. So then the next step is, so the, the raw data for discernment, that was, I don't know where I heard that term. I may have heard it from Father Gallagher, but I like that one a lot. Um, so the raw data of discernment is the circumstances surrounding us and uh, what's going on inside. So spiritually, yes. but also like plain old emotions. And this is where mm-hmm. it's it really interesting in that the Lord uses uh, because we have bodies he gave us bodies for a reason and mm-hmm. it's so that he could help us understand what his will is mm-hmm. um so we could experience the whole world i mean the, the sacraments encounter our senses yeah and and okay so we got to take those two things separately too yeah. because with emotions i know um i'm a woman let's just throw it out there there are certain times when i my emotions are haywire and they are not to be trusted. <laughs> and I have to recognize when that's happening for me so that I can know what emotion is something valid that's truly going on interiorly that needs to be paid attention to. So I need to become aware of um, my roller coaster of life um, and when something is affecting that and when it's 
just out of the ordinary. You know, it's just random. Right. And not really having to do with anything truly interior. Yeah, I mean, you could, so you're, like, you could have a stomach ache, and that's going to affect your, yep. like, I actually, I thought of that right now, because I have a little bit of a stomach ache. Um, <laughs> and it's going to affect my emotions a little bit. But then there are, there are those days when it's almost like something's eating at you. And yeah. you're like, why do I feel this way? Like, the, the sun's out, it's a good day, I'm around cool people, and I still feel unhappy. I feel, un, like, a sense of discontent. Yeah. Um, and that's, to me, that's what I look for. Like, I look for that discontent. And what I call a lack of peace. So to me, that's, um, it's not probably not anxiety in the sense that most people think of like, okay, I have anxiety, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take medication, I'm going to go see a therapist, but yeah. more um, just general discontent with with where you are. Um, and it's almost like um, you got a rock in your shoe and it's not enough to take the shoe off, but you all, you're always aware of it mm-hmm. um, and it's annoying all the time. Yeah, um, and sometimes that grows to something where you're actually limping along yeah <laughs> but you've already committed to not taking the shoe off so you don't because you don't want to look awkward oh, like, i can't take my man. shoe off now i'm at a so dinner party truth. um i remember actually i was at a meeting with you at the chancery and yeah. one of my socks was on inside out and i was like do i turn this inside out right now or do i just <laughs> deal with it i think i actually turned it inside out but then I realized I had to go wash my hands because it's not publicly acceptable to touch your feet in a professional setting. <laughs> and then, yeah, that's um, true. So then, so the, the raw data of discernment first is the interior life, yes. the emotions, and the next is circumstances. Yeah. Um, so, and that's very real. Um, so for me, when I was actually discerning grad school, um, one of the things we decided, my wife and I, was we had to get a certain amount of scholarship money or we were not going to go because I was, I was not going to put my, my family in uh, a financial hole yeah. so that I could go have fun studying scripture. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's, uh, you might feel God's calling you to do something, but you need to look at the logistics of it. Right. Is it, um, is it okay for you to be gone and going to grad school? Was it okay for me to leave and go that far? Yeah. Did I have the money to do that? Um, would I have a place to stay there to uh, that I that I could live and flourish in? Yeah, is it safe? I mean, there's some some very basic things and then some some slightly more refined things. I mean, like a ridiculous example would be you might really feel called to be a missionary to another planet, but if there's no way of getting there, <laughs> then that's impot. Like it doesn't matter how then, strongly you feel called. Yeah, that's a good thing. Wait, wait for God to. <laughs> create the circumstances to allow you exactly. to be a missionary to yeah. another planet yeah <laughs> those don't exist right now yeah. so um, <laughs> so the assuming the circumstances line up if they don't line up that's kind of like to me that's a that's a wall that you yeah. don't go through you say okay, okay. God. i'm just getting visions of like like shooting people with holy water out of like ray guns right now that's, that's as like missionary territory on another planet there are huge video potential for this absolutely so i c.s lewis's space trilogy needs to be made into a movie it would be i mean it's made for film it would be so beautiful far more than narnia narnia was great but the space trilogy would make such an awesome trilogy yes Um, all right sorry to derail that but i just had to speak it out so assuming that the circumstances are good yeah and there's nothing hindering you there the next step in discernment would be looking at the like what's going on interior your emotions yeah and 
Um, this is so I'm quoting a saint here and someone that's received a lot of respect within the church. Um, or I'm paraphrasing a saint. If you find peace while thinking about a decision or making a decision that is evidence of God's will mm-hmm. for you. Um, so for Ignatius, this look, he was choosing whether to continue being like a cool boy knight <laughs> who was trying to win the hands so of pretty terrible. ladies or probably just one pretty lady, actually. Um, or to become a soldier for God, both of which are okay. Like it's okay mm-hmm. to want to be a knight and to want to win the affections of another person. And it's also really, really good to be a soldier for God. Mm-hmm. And what he noticed was after he spent time daydreaming about those things, one of them would leave him feeling empty mm-hmm. and one of them would leave him feeling peace. Um, so actually, the I had an example that I used when I was teaching um, at my previous job okay. to help students understand this. I was teaching a class on spirituality for seniors, and they opted in this class. So it was, I That's knew I awesome. could go really far with it because the kids wanted to, to learn about it. So I was trying to describe how you look at your emotions to recognize whether you have a sense of peace or not. And they didn't quite get it. Um, and I wasn't, it wasn't like Ignatius where I had two decisions necessarily I was looking at, but I was looking over my day. Um, it's almost like, um, what we're looking for is evidence of cooperating with God's will. Okay. And, um, so this is like a prayer of examine. Yeah. Prayer of examine. Which we've, I'm sure we've referenced before, but it's another Ignatian thing. Yeah. So I was, I was driving into work one morning and I had a a 30 mile drive. Okay. The first 20 miles were pretty calm. Like every day. And then the last 10 miles, there, there was road work, traffic narrowed. We went mm-hmm. from three lanes to two. It slowed down. Traffic got heavier. And like for two and a half years, I had a sense of anxiety at that point. Not like major, but just discontent. Yeah. That was when I knew like, okay, I'm going into work now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, you know, there's no more like, okay, you have a while before you get to work. It was, you are going to be at work soon. Like in 15 minutes, you will be in your classroom. And um, it was particularly strong on days when I was worried about my lesson. Not mm. because it was a bad lesson, but I was worried that the students would not accept it. Which, I mean, was, essentially, I was yeah. preaching the gospel on a daily basis in the classroom. And I was, uh, if I was worried that students wouldn't like the lesson, it's almost like I was a, uh, an unconvinced soldier going to battle. Mm. I didn't trust in mm-hmm. the, like my ability to conquer that my ability to win and my, yeah. my the support of those around me. Mm-hmm. And so I actually did this for the first time in front of the students. I did an examine looking over my morning. And okay. so I used the image of like, if you're running your hand over a table, you can feel the high spots and the low spots and those low spots. If the table is your emotions, those low spots are times of discontent, times of anxiety. And mm-hmm. so I, I started walking through my day with the students, running my hand over my emotions, so to speak, Mm -hmm. to look for the low spots. And um, I recognized, okay, I woke up, day's going fine, I made tea for my wife, I get ready, I pack up, I'm in the car, I'm still feeling good. Oh, wait a minute, I remember I felt anxious 10 miles out from school. Why? And I realized at that moment, that I had been denying or basically rejecting an opportunity to trust in the Lord and to cooperate with his grace mm-hmm. that, that he would give me what I needed. So mm-hmm. I was, I was afraid. So I was turning away from the Lord. Um, 
And so at that moment, I made the decision, I'm going to like move boldly into this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess to, to back up a little bit, what is this? Like, how do we, how do we use this to make a decision? If you are, if you kind of look back over your thought process of making a decision, yeah, you can do the same thing of looking, okay, which of those decisions caused me that anxiety and that sense of unrest? Mm-hmm. Why was I not opening myself up to the Lord with this idea? So were you... Like, do you, did you really need to make that, that tough decision to have a hard conversation and you decided not to, or did you decide like, yes, I'm going to do this. And that gave you a sense of, okay, you're doing like, you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Or is it, it I, I know times when I felt that those low points are also times when my wounds are hit upon. Right. And so the enemy has made it in to my heart and just poked me at just the right place. Mm -hmm. And that is what brings me down into a place where I'm not at peace. Um, And it's just recognizing those things and making a decision to open yourself back up to grace. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't have to, it can be like a little wound. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like my guess is a student one time rejected a lesson that I I had worked really hard on. It made me feel slightly self-conscious about it to the point where I, I was hesitant to be that vulnerable and put so much enthusiasm into a lesson for fear of being rejected again. Uh, something might, I mean, yeah, a child did that too. <laughs> <laughs> but until, until you address it and open yourself back up to it. Yeah. I didn't know it was there. It can, it can just continue. You can remain in that cycle. Um, or it, I mean, and that, that might not have even been a wound. Like it could have just simply been, um, Closing yourself off right. to God's grace. I mean, it, it could be either or, it could yeah. be both and. Yeah. Um, but those are those are things to look for in your life. And as you start to do that, that prayer of examine of looking back on your day, um, which the prayer of examine should not take you more than 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. You, you never spend a whole lot of time on it. It backfires on you when you do. Um, I mean, at least backfired for me whenever I... Yeah. <laughs> um, so... As you're looking at that and you're looking at the ridges, um, that helps you to notice what your emotions are doing and so that you can better identify as the emotions are coming where God's leading you and where you are turning away from him um, and going further away from him so that you can remain with him and remain in that peace at every moment. Uh, And then it becomes easier to just make the right decisions if you're moving in that peace. Yeah. I also, I just want to talk really briefly about anxiety because um, I, I I don't know if I've shared on the podcast. I, I do have a history with depression and anxiety goes hand in hand um, with depression. And so I, I just want to make sure that when we say the word anxiety, we're not talking about um, that state in which you really have no control over it. Right. Um, well, even... Well, not like that's, a panic that's attack. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. And we're not talking about panic attacks here. We're not talking about, um, yeah, we're talking about something much more, that feeling of discontent and unrest Yeah, are probably the best ways to put it. Um, and when you're in that state of peace, it's not just happiness. It's not just um, confidence or being content. It's this deep place of... Um, unity with God mm-hmm. of being in line with, with his will and his mission 
Um, and so what we're talking about goes much deeper than just those um, emotions that are on the surface. And so the emotions point us to that which is more. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're like, if you do have a deep sense of anxiety about something, um, we're not necessarily saying like, or rather if you're, um, there's a difference between that unrest you're talking about and then like real anxiety that's, that's almost paralyzing. Um, how about I put it this way? So I could make a decision. I could know that I'm supposed to go in and give this presentation I, okay, here's the thing. I'm, I'm involved with young Catholic professionals. I had to do this presentation in front of the Catholic Foundation, which is a, you know, they're an impressive bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And so I know that I've been selected to do this. It's very clear that the Lord wants to stun, that he's calling me to do it. Um, and I was very anxious about it. Doesn't mean it wasn't what God was calling me to do. It yeah. meant, hey, I'm anxious about speaking in front of these people. That's yeah. what that emotion meant. So that was a different kind of anxiety than what we're talking about when we look for making a decision right. with God's peace. Yeah. I was still in peace in knowing this is what God wanted, despite the superficial anxiety that I was feeling going into that yeah. meeting. It was like nervousness. Yeah. So when... Um, the, the, I think the scenario in our minds that where this is the most evident of um, f- like finding finding difficulty in making decisions is uh, conflict with other people. So especially correcting other people. Um, and so we decided we'd turn to scripture for advice on doing this. So this comes from Matthew 18, verse 15 through 17. And that is, if so Peter's just said to... Um, I don't know if he, if he said to Jesus here, like, you know, what do you do with somebody who's offended you? But Jesus responds, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. And so quick caveat before we dive into that too far. <laughs> um, how did Jesus treat Gentiles and tax collectors? The guy writing this gospel was a tax collector. <laughs> so he welcomed them and he loved them. Um, mm-hmm. But if uh, even after correcting somebody, they refuse to be reconciled to you, we still treat them with love. That doesn't mean you allow them to continue hurting you or, or causing whatever disruption. Um but the the reason we chose this was it it starts with talk to somebody one on one and address the address the issue with them and this is this is an issue of love and charity and possibly justice as we we brought up earlier with the scenario of a principal and a teacher um, but the, it's the Lord inviting us to uh, to reconcile with people rather than have conflict yeah. that is unaddressed to be unafraid to move into that. Yeah. Um, so if you were, if you're thinking, okay, I have a problem with this person, perhaps a family member, you could first use discernment to decide, is it the right time to talk to this person? Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not, great. Like, that means the Lord has something else. He's going to, to reconcile this situation in another way, or he's going to correct that person in another way. Um, but if this is the right time, then this is a pretty good process. So... 
um, find, you can find a way to talk to them about it first, really as an act of charity. And I, one of the things I need to keep in mind with this is the goal is not to be right. Mm. Oh, um, that's a dangerous trap. Yeah. The goal is to... Uh, Reconciliation. Yeah. To, to bring the two of you back eye to eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to prove your point. Yeah. Um, when my wife and I do this, I don't necessarily say, here's where you're wrong, mm-hmm. but rather, here's where I've been hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that puts us on different footing because she might necess- she might not agree with me in where she's wrong, but she can't disagree with me that I've been hurt. Mm-hmm. And th- that's important to her because she loves me. So she's willing to say, um, I want to make sure that you're not hurt anymore. Uh, and I would... I think most of the time our friends are going to feel that way too. And we need to be open to the possibility that they are hurt as well. Yeah. By something we've done. And we need to be open to be able to hear that when we're in this one-on-one. Yeah. Well, at any point we need to be open to hearing that, but <laughs> especially at this level one-on-one. Um, I typically go into those, those conversations thinking that I've hurt the other person. Like mm-hmm. if I, if I'm not aware of how I've done it, I'm aware of the reality that I probably did mm-hmm. so that I can like easily be corrected and then ask for forgiveness for it, mm-hmm. um, which works really well for me. And that is wise. If you, if you've taken these steps and you make a decision and it's backfired, as we talked about before with like Kimmy's decision to go to grad school, mm-hmm. that's when you can look back and say, all right, why did I do this? Yeah. I did it because I think the Lord wanted me to. And that's kind of what he asks us to do. He doesn't, I mean, it, there's no guarantee that when we do it, it will work perfectly, but it could just be part of his plan for our life and this person. And we might not be reconciled today, but in two weeks or two years, we could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know I looked back uh, six years later and thought, why did I even doubt? Yeah. You know, why did I doubt that year? Because of what the Lord was able to do through the rest of my time there. Um, in me, in my ministry, in numerous ways. But it's hard to see it when you're at the beginning of it. Absolutely. <laughs> Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us again. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, not that anybody looks forward to awkward conversations, but we hope the next time you have one that it goes a little bit better as a result of good discernment. Yes. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. God bless you all. Until next time.